Cinema Clash. We have a special episode here today. This is going to be our top 10 movies of 2011. Um, I'm Costa and today I am joined by Alex Zarnowski and Sean Gay. Welcome, gentlemen. Um, so I know that the Cinema Clash is kind of a, you know, battle-oriented um, fictional universe of debating, um, but I think just to rattle, just to kind of spice things up, we're going to do random episodes where we talk about um, different things. So, like specific year, specific moments of the year, like now when everyone's rattling off their top ten. I figure we'll do a top ten episode. Um, you know, and we'll may, we may do we may do like an Oscar one or summer movies something. Anyway, so we're gonna throw them in randomly uh, whenever they're appropriate, I guess. So, um, I just wanted to kind of go over a basic overview of like 2011. I don't know how you guys felt, but I know I felt that 2011 um, was kind of like lackluster. With any, um, how do I say it? Like, kind of huge movies that, like, that were very, uh, impacted me as much as, like, last year's movies did, for example. I, I would say it's um, kind of a mixed bag. Um, there were the movies that stood out uh, from the rest. I mean, you had a whole slew of Marvel movies, then you had your Independence, and then now you're starting to see, at the end of the year... All the movies are that are going to be considered for you know Oscar nominations, which will be announced, I guess, later this month, probably the twenty seventh, right. I think. Um, but yeah, I I I I agree with you. Um, but that being said, I I think that we had a pretty good year um, for more independent kind of productions. Yeah, so I will say, putting together my top ten, I was having a hard time. F- fitting in most movies like there was a lot of movies that there was like four or five movies that were fighting for the 10th spot of my list whereas yeah. last year the top six were like perfect lock-ins but then i was having trouble filling the last couple because like yeah. i feel like last year the the good movies that came out last year were really good and i think there's more decent movies this, this year than last year but i think last year had better movies yeah, they had the ones that actually you could you could pick up five off the bat that just stood yeah. out. Inception, now, Social Network, Black yeah. Swan, like they right. Um, and I feel like I learned you know I, I always learn about those movies after the fact because either they were in limited release, like we got really right. lucky. I'll just talk, I'll just tell about it right now. Like we got to see Take Shelter, mm-hmm. and that was a movie that was not widely released. And once it you know came to a theater that was forty minutes away we took the time to go and see it because you know what? Yeah. That was one of those just diamonds in the rough. Yeah. It's one of those movies that you just kind of, you won't get it until it's on DVD. And that's one movie. Like I was reading a lot of people's reviews and top tens. And that was one movie that a lot of people didn't get the chance to see. Like you said, right. And we'll get to it a bit, but that's kind of a shame because that movie was really, well, I mean, not only this, but this year was completely economy driven. I mean, you think about it, like most of the movies that were made this year, were restarts of old, old series, um, refreshers, and if not, they were you know, like especially in this this summer was by far the most lackluster in a few years in my opinion. I agree, um, and you know that's depressing because it had such a positive um, anticipation for it. Like I was like, oh man, it's gonna be like the best year for summer movies. There's all these, it's like all comic books and superheroes, yeah. and then it came out, and I really only enjoyed like two movies this entire summer. I think that just is showing that the public is finally getting over this Marvel superhero age and that, like, superheroes are going to slowly but surely not be the trendsetter for the next few summers. Yeah. Over the time, so. Well, now we have the Avengers. It's all coming to its focal point. Yeah. uh, That's going to be the ultimate test, I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me go back to Spider-Man. It all starts over again. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That comes out next summer, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. next summer's going to be good, too, I think. Yeah. I think it's going to be, well, hopefully, <laughs> better than last summer, although it doesn't need to do much to do that. No. So, anyway, moving on here. Um, we're going to hear top ten movies of 2011 from Sean. So, take it away. Yeah, I mean, my top ten this year is by far, I'd have to say, like, is ex- extremely, extremely by far, like, the most lackluster of my list I've ever done. Um, looking through the year... Uh, I actually had to go back to the beginning to see some of the films I've seen were like still before the year cut. 
And as you can tell, my number 10 choice was the Muppets, believe it or not. Um, I thought it was like the best, if not the best uh, um, restart of Jim Henson's Muppets in a while. Um, I think it's the fact being a child, it was just the greatest way to rehash those old nostalgic moments. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I, I enjoyed the Muppets a lot. Actually, I liked the the soundtrack, especially um, on that movie, it was really good. Oh yeah, I was extremely impressed with that. And then I'll be a little disappointed if I do not see uh, Academy Award nods towards that soundtrack, right? Music. So, unfortunately, um, I didn't get a chance to see it. But based on everybody that I've talked to who has seen it, it's always a two thumbs up. Go for it go to yeah. see it in the theaters while it's still there so yeah i think it was just great as far as just for nostalgia's sake to see the opening of the muppets show in full widescreen on the big screen and i think that's what um really kind of hit home for most people especially if you grew up with it oh yeah of course um and that re- leads me to number nine which is a summer movie and the only summer movie i thought was worth worth my time and I'm very impressed by it was X-Men First Class and the reason I put it on my top 10 was mostly because I thought it was the best restart of a series and I think it's been the most enjoyable of all of the X-Men combined especially I definitely for, agree with you there especially for being just a like a um, a prequel to everything that started I mean if you're a comic book you know junkie you might, of course, find the film a little bit lackluster, or of course, you know, not accurate to the tale. But I'm not, I'm not one to argue with that. But the the overline like action was by far the best of the summer, so easily gets my number nine. Yeah, I will say, I mean, I'll get to that later. But X Men First Class was one of the movies that was fighting for the tenth spot. Okay. Um, number eight, um, December movie, Adventures of Tintin. Hey, hey. Just absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. I, I really can't say anything but that, like, um, the 3D was enjoyable and my eyes weren't blinding. Um, <laughs> the, the storyline itself, I don't like the fact that they sell it as like a Pirates of Caribbean meets Indiana Jones. Cause I think yeah, it's like- I- itself is a completely by itself own spectacle so completely agree with that yeah and i know that it's gonna be funny because alex's and i's top 10 will will probably be i don't know i haven't talked i mean we haven't discussed our top 10 together I, i'm but very interested in what you're yeah re- relatively similar because we did go see a lot of the movies together this year yes and tintin um, is one of them yeah tintin i'll you'll be surprised where tintin is for me <laughs> not really surprised but it's spoiler alert it might be number eight. Uh-oh. Well, um, that brings me to seven. And I have to say for, like, indie films, as we were talking about, like, definitely a huge impact this year. But I felt like they were just way too independent this year. Like, you guys were talking about um, the fact that you guys had to drive 40 minutes for one film. Yeah. I had to go to Philadelphia to see Midnight in Paris, which is my oh, number wow. seven choice. And, I mean, for me, that's almost an hour and a half. And I did. I did go to drive, and it's not like I specifically went to Philadelphia only to see it. I'm not that dedicated. Sorry, but <laughs> when I did see it, I was extremely impressed with Owen Wilson and Woody Allen, of course. And I thought it was just. I think it's one of my favorite Woody Allen films of all time, and that doesn't say much if it's number seven. So, but yeah, definitely, I, I've with with Woody Allen. I actually, it's so weird. I'm probably I'd probably get flamed for saying this, but I actually enjoy his newer movies more um, than his other stuff. Like, Match Point might be my favorite Woody Allen film, which is so weird because it's not a very typical Woody Allen film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoy that. I really like, enjoyed Scoop. It was a cute little, quick, fun movie. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, and I and I didn't get to see... What was the one that came out? Was it last year with um, Larry David? And I know you saw oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw that. That was, it too, that was a couple whatever years ago. Works. It, yeah, whatever I, works. Yeah, something like that. And that was pretty yeah. much Curb Your Enthusiasm in a nutshell. Exactly. Which is fine by me, because I love yeah. my Curb. Yeah. I think I'd appreciate it more now um, if I saw it again, because of how much 
uh, Larry David has grown on me over the years. <laughs> oh, it yeah. takes a lot for that man to grow on it. <laughs> you will be a terrible person to lose in the, in the business. I'll tell you that. I think a lot of Woody Allen's films, like his style is solidifying right now. And that's why I think that you made a comment that his, uh, Kyle made a comment, um, that you're kind of enjoying his movies now more than ever. And, uh, yeah, I could see how you would get flamed for that because some of his greatest works are back, you know, when he was in his prime. What? And I'm not saying I don't love Annie Hall. Annie Hall is probably my favorite Woody Allen movie. But right. still, I, I think just overall. Manhattan, what Annie I've seen. Hall. I mean, they're all awesome. But I think that he's solidifying his his style from maybe Bananas <laughs> and uh, or Sleeper or whatever um, with, you know, Midnight in Paris and, you know, Scoop and all these other modern takes on uh, maybe, you know, blending his com- comedy with contempor- the contemporary uh, filmic style. Right. Um, yeah, I mean... So that leads me to what, number six. Um, this is my restart choice of the year next to X-Men. I think it did better, and that was Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I, I don't know. Like I said, like summer movies this year were lackluster. and But this movie had the best animation in the sense of 3D output. Not only the it was just the graphics itself and the scene on the bridge with the San Francisco Bridge. It's probably oh, yeah. my favorite. Um, and Caesar, as a kid, was just such a cool character. I don't know why I was attracted to gorillas, but apparently I was. I know. I, Andy Serkis deserves some sort of recognition for this. He was He's better as a monkey than most people are as humans. <laughs> <laughs> that might be true, <laughs> but he's getting a lot of, you know, flack, uh, because he's the, he is the prime example of an actor that can take over um, virtually, uh, take away from other actors' jobs, yeah. and uh, he gets flack for that. But you know what? He's he's an A plus in my book for what he does do. Yeah. And uh, number five, this is easily my number one choice on every list for one of my favorite directors, and it got a lot of slack in the on uh, critics' point books, but that was definitely a sucker punch. Um, I couldn't believe it actually came out this year. I thought it came out in December, but... Yeah, it came out in March or February, right? Yeah, March. And uh, this movie was just everything I wanted in a film. You know, you got the the attractive, you know, female protagonists. You got the endless amounts of, like, um, entertainment in terms of random use of, like, different genres of, like, nerdum. I mean, you got your steampunk, you got your um, samurai swords. It was just everything. Know, if you are a man and don't find at least one aspect of this movie appetizing, then there's something wrong <laughs> with you. And, and that's what I would say. I and mean, I understand, like, the, the overall, even that, but, like, the, the dream sequence kind of, uh, almost dream sequence... Uh, hero like storyline it had I could see people kind of being like well this is kind of bizarre but just to me it was everything I wanted in a film and it was definitely I was completely immersed in it and by the end of it I was completely satisfied with my nine bucks I paid for it so yeah, um, yeah I, I felt similarly um, about Sucker Punch I think I think I liked it I think I sympathized with it more because of the amount of hate it got and I don't. I don't see. I can see where some. I can see generally why people didn't like it, um, but I think overall it's not nearly, not even close to as bad as what half the people were saying. It's and that's just sad because there's definitely something to like in it. it one one or the other. There's something to like, and um, it, I, I Sucker Punch didn't make my top ten, but it definitely made my honorable mentions um, this year and. You know, it's not for everyone, but I, I think it's just sad that a, that a movie like that kind of just fell apart, which is a lot better than what most people thought of it. Oh, you also have uh, the only thing I could I would also add on to that was the soundtrack issue. A lot of people gave up, and I can I can definitely relate to that. I think that the film, <laughs> by any means, you do not need to add a genre of music that is extremely I don't know techno meets goth type sub. Yeah. So. 
there's only so many different variations of Sweet Dreams I can hear. <laughs> and that's all I'll say. Um, and that brings me to number four. Um, and I will choose... I chose... Um, sorry. Uh, Rango, an animated film. Mm-hmm. Also real early in the year. Um, Johnny Depp an actor that I have a love-hate relationship with his roles, mostly of the hype, but yeah. just something about that him playing a <laughs> animated uh, uh, lizard chameleon is just one of my absolute favorites. And uh, I can't really say anything other than that, the fact that it was just so funny and so enjoyable. And I'm usually the last person to give my... F- enjoyment from the animated film so yeah i know alex and i had talked a lot about rango and you're going to be very surprised to see that it is in my top 10 but where it is in my top 10 okay um but we'll get to that when i get to it but yeah rango is if if it doesn't take the animated oscar this year i'm very disappointed because if there's a year for it to win it's this year well it's that hugo uh debacle that i would easily talk about later but, um, and so that brings me to number three. Number three being the only movie I'll give this mention to out of the entire long series is Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallers Part 2. And the reason I put it so far up there is because if you take the whole series, this is the only film I enjoyed. It's the only book I, book I didn't like. And I was so impressed with the adaptation of it. And I thought it was just the action suspense movie that made me enjoy it. And, you know, it's a culmination of everything. You have, like, the finale of the final fight between Voldemort and Harry. I mean, everything. And it was just... It's surprising to see, looking back, that you got Lord of the Rings, who I think they won a total of 15-some Oscars from the entire trilogy. And then you got, like, Harry Potter, the, the... I don't even know what you call it, the series itself, and it hasn't even taken home one yet. And I think this year it might get something like a little offbeat, but I think it has to get some sort of nomination. Or yeah, least. I think if it gets anything, this is the year for it to get it. Um, over the years since it's been coming out, it, it, it well, the first one came out, you know, it was a little cheesy, maybe blah blah blah, whatever you want to say about it. Um, but, but each film as it went um, got more. The quality was increased um, by every movie that came out. So obviously, therefore, making the last film, you know, of the best, of almost the best quality, arguably. Um, and I would agree with with most you said about uh, Harry Potter. It's a really good wrap up of of the whole series. And that brings me to my top two. My top two easily can be switched or interchanged. Um. Um. So, but. If I had to make the list as we speak, number two would be David Fincher's uh, attempt at the girl with the dragon tattoo. <laughs> attempt? Well, you have to give wow. credit to the Swedish version. Yeah. And and I say attempt because I feel like there's more versions like you're coming out because this, this book is becoming so like renowned. And if you have not read the book, I highly recommend it. But David Fincher does an incredible job... <laughs> At this adaptation, and I have to say, like not with like much spoilers, but the rape scenes—it's kind of hard to talk about—but the rape scene itself was so well like executed that uh, I don't know. It, I was just so. Sean is an expert at rape. I just want to point that out. Yes, I. Uh, oh, now I know. <laughs> it's just it, this. The scene was so well done, and it, the I don't know where they found her, but Rumi Mara. Uh, I believe her name is. Yeah. Her her role as Elizabeth Slander, the main the main protagonist. Mm-hmm. She is just outstanding, and I really hope that she takes it this year for female role. I mean, she was the um, girlfriend of Jesse Eisenberg as Mark Zuckerberg in Social Network at the beginning right. of the film. Yeah, right. it's the same girl. Which I didn't point it out to me when I saw the previews for Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I go. Oh my god, I didn't realize it. You know, she was like 
she looks totally different. And not only that, but I really enjoy Daniel Craig a lot more, seeing him, like, not in the Bond role, even though I, I think him as James Bond is my favorite. It's mm-hmm. just, uh, I think it really shows Daniel Craig's, like, fire and the potential he has. I mean, I've only seen him in the uh, Polish War, World War II veteran movie, I think it was called, like, Defiance. Yeah. yeah. And yep. that was enjoyable, but, like, I mean, it was overall, like, the action-gritty kind of, like, storyline, so... It was more or less him shooting a gun still. Yeah. But him playing such a, like, male, masculine, like, character such as Michael Blumkus, it was just, I really enjoy him as that character, so. Yeah, unfortunately, I did not get to go see uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo this year. Yeah, same for me. I hear a lot of good things, and uh, I love There's Fincher's just, There work. was a lot of movies that, to go see this year. If anything, I recommend you two just to watch the uh, introduction. Like, the David Fincher goes into, like, a... It doesn't even have to do anything with the film, but, like, his the way it starts off is this, like, gelatinous, like... like I've oil. seen it. You have, That's I, the I, part I have seen, yeah. With the, <laughs> I saw a video with it of the immigrant song covered by somebody. Yeah, it, yeah, some sort of new age progressive rock band on that. Yeah. Um, but that leads me to my last choice, and... Easily, like I said, these two could be interchanged, but it has to be Drive. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know. This movie, to me, was exactly why you go to a cinema. And I think it, it, it like is everything I want to go to a cinema. It has enough, like, you know, neo-noir type like setting. That's my absolute favorite setting, usually. Uh, I, I have an, an attractiveness to, like, protagonists that like are usually silent or have some sort of like huge moral dilemma or v-neck shirts or any (laughs) yeah and either i mean (laughs) ryan gossip for example ah is just uh it's it's, it's interesting to see him in a role as a silent type for most of the film and then it does it does it does help that the film has the best use of a shotgun ever in not gonna argue that Yes. Yeah. And the soundtrack. Disagree. <laughs> yeah. well, what is your best use of shotgun? Do you know off the chance? What's that? Is that what you said? Did you? No, like... I said I cannot. I couldn't dis- disagree if I tried. I mean, yeah. that's, okay. I, I completely agree. It's what, yeah. what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, and um, it's it, not only that, but it was funny because like the all, the all the other actors in the film were like usually some sort of random. TV series, main TV series, like, character, and it was just kind of bizarre to me to watch it with them in there. They all had short roles. You know, you got Bernie Perlman, Sons of Anarchy, Brian Cranston, Breaking Bad. Albert Brooks. Yep. And then... Who I I, I will say was was fantastic in that film, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, all right. Very good. Very good top ten. Alex... What is your top 10 of 2011? Okay, so I had a very difficult time uh, choosing a top 10. I swear I have a... I I would rather have done a top 15 than a top 10 because for me, like, you mentioned Rango and I honestly didn't even have it listed here. I couldn't remember <laughs> all the movies I saw this year. And that's that's pretty bad, but um, um, there were just so many different uh, ways to approach a t- there's so many different ways to approach a top 10 list you can go by um, just what was your favorite or what what movies are deserved of the of the placement but like I think it's all about your enjoyment and well my I would I would start with my runner-ups which would be uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and Mission Impossible 4 because um, they would take 11 and 12 if you will um, because they're just uh, two movies that I had. One, Tinker Tailor, um, didn't plan on seeing. And when I did see it, I couldn't believe how well made that film was. And after reading about it yeah. um, and learning a little bit more about what was going on, I really want to watch it for a second time. Because yeah. based on it was based on a book. And um, a lot of the relationships... And a lot of the the, the touches, such as uh, glasses, for example, mm-hmm. were really relevant to the story and had a lot of subtextual meaning that we probably wouldn't understand uh, if you're just watching it for the first time. Yeah. 
Um, but it was a really well-made movie. And if Gary Oldman doesn't get an Oscar nod, I would, and he may not. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd be surprised. Um, I echo everything you said about that yeah. film. It, it didn't. It didn't make my top ten, but it's it's something to talk about, and it's definitely a film that um, it's definitely going to increase in value uh, over multiple watches. Right. Um, and just to wrap up with number eleven here, uh, Mission Impossible Four was just the most fun action movie that I watched all year long. Period. It made my hands sweat. It made me <laughs> nervous. Um, and I couldn't say that for a lot of the movies that came out this year. It really, really um, played with my emotions in a way that no other film has for a very long time. So I have to give it the 11 spot nod. But now on to the top 10. Um, <laughs> my top, my number 10 spot is Young Adult. And I'm giving it number 10 because it had to make my list. I couldn't place it anywhere. And I wanted to give it a spot because it was just, you know, it was original. Um, uh, I can't remember the who, who wrote who wrote it. What's her name? Diablo Cody was the writer. Diablo Cody, and, yeah. Um, Jason Reitman directed it, and they were the the team to do Juno. Juno, right? Um, she just has a really unique style, and I'm hoping that she, her, you know, you always want to see somebody reach their full potential, and I think that she's just one of those writers that is going to do that very soon. Um, mm. She's really good, and. Yeah. Uh, I think this, um, I mean, you're, the writing for Juno, I know you specifically uh, wasn't, weren't 100% of a fan, but this one wasn't as, um, no. you know. Uh, what's the word? Uh, Juno had its, it's almost like the writing in Juno had its own place in, in the film. Um, I know that's kind of obvious to say, but I think that it was deliberate. Um just the way her, her language, Juno's language was yeah. a little bit too, uh, she was a little bit too old for her age, but that's what also made her Juno. Exactly. So uh, I think she uh, toned it down and yet still kind of pulled from what she knows, which is writing and the main character in this movie is a writer. Anyway, uh, it was a very awesome film. I recommend seeing it. Um, number nine, Harry Potter. Um, and it's at number number nine only because... I feel like Harry Potter had to make a list. It was the last Harry Potter film. It was the best Harry Potter film, um, in my opinion, out of all of the series. I mean, I, I guess if you want to consider part one and part two together, um, I'm, I'm going to do that um, as one film. You know, as soon as that Blu-ray comes out, I'm ripping it and stitching that into one long-ass movie. Yeah. <laughs> Just for fun. Um, but Harry, Harry Potter, um, visually, the... As soon as the soundtrack came out for it, too, I mean, there was a big difference between the sound for this movie and all previous movies put together. It just had so much of a more, um, I can't even think of the word for it, it just had a lot of body. It had a, uh, I don't know, just something about it. It's like they just said, all right, screw it. We're going up balls to the walls with this movie. A war of Valkyries, if you so speak, you know. What's that? Like a war of Valkyries, so to speak. You know, like yeah, something epic. like that. Very uh, a lot of use of the trump, like trumpets, um, mm-hmm. in the main theme. So um, I was trying, I was really trying not to pick movies that have already been, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to choose sequels here, um, because I don't think it's fair to put sequels on a top ten because they've already had their chance to shine. But you know what, Harry Potter really, I mean, this is the last movie, and it made some sort of impression on me. Um. Then I'm going to go with uh, Tintin. And uh, Tintin... Tintin was... You know, I, I agree. With, I agreed with you 100% on whole, the whole, like, Pirates of the Caribbean. Come on. That was such garbage, uh, the way they had to promote that movie. But after having seen the movie, it was the most real... I mean, there are two movies this year that stand out for CG. And the other is Rango. And I can't decide which movie is more impressive to sit there and just just drool over um, in terms of visuals. Um, but I grew up watching Tintin, and I think it was really important that if you were, you were either going to like it or not like it after watching it, based on the fact that you either watched it when you were young or you didn't. Because right. a, lot of, a lot of the comments I heard were like, it was okay. It was okay. I wish there could have been more here or there or whatever. But if you were, if you grew up watching Tintin, you knew that 
um, you knew Snowy's um, way, the way about Snowy. He's just he's always helping out uh, Tintin in his little little way, dog ways, and uh, he's a character in himself. And I think that that just comes off as oh, it's a goofy dog, kind of like pork yeah. chop on dog. Like, like yeah, I agree with what you said. If you, if you don't um, know the universe of Tintin, you don't, you definitely don't, you can't appreciate this movie as much. And that goes f- with with saying with most films, if um, they're adapted from something or if they're a remake. So, oh. like Sean was saying about Girl with the Dragon Tattoo as well. Yeah, yeah. And not, not only that, but, like, you take the adventures of Tintin real quick, and it's like, we're reaching the, the age for us that we're reaching, like, you know, they're making films about our childhood, but they're good family dramas that you can, like, take your kids to go see. Right. And by doing that, you, you're you getting nostalgia, and your kids are getting introduced to this, you know, immersed universe of Tintin, for example. Yeah. So. Right. And again, uh, Andy, uh, not to Andy Circus for the voice of Haddock. He was, yeah. I had no idea that was him until you told me, until Kyle yeah. told me. Um, I, I had to look what? at it like, I was not aware 10 of minutes into the film because I go, this voice is so familiar. What a performance. Yeah. Seriously. I didn't, he I, is so I, much better off screen than <laughs> he is on screen. I don't think I saw, I, what, what would I have seen him in on screen? I don't know. Uh, the Prestige? Know. Okay. There we yeah. go. All right. Okay. That's the, I don't know, that's like the most recent notable one, I would say. Yeah. Well, anyway, oh, and, um, um, go ahead. Oh, wait, is he in King Kong? I know he does, he does, he does the motions for King Kong, but I feel like he's in it at some point, too. Maybe. I heard that I he, he played a very small role in King Kong, where he gets eaten mm-hmm. alive or something. Oh, anyway, you're right, he's the cook. The cook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, I'll move, move away from Tintin, uh, on to Super 8. And Super 8, if you, I mean, it's almost like watching a movie direct, I mean, it was, it took place in 79, I believe, um, the events, but it's like watching a movie out of the 80s again, like Steven Spielberg, uh, with E.T. This was just the contemporary version of E.T. Yep. And it was really impressive to watch the chemistry develop between, uh, the kids in that movie. They had, they were just so good. At making you believe that these were just kids running out, causing trouble, making making movies. Um, Could not agree with you more there. I mean, J.J. Abrams is another up-and-comer. I mean, he's been around for a while, and his father has been in the industry for years. But, um, I mean, working... So he worked worked with Steven Spielberg on the film. uh, Or he... I'm sorry. He worked with Steven Spielberg cutting film for him, uh, cutting his 16 millimeter or eight millimeter film, uh, when he was a kid and here, there's the relationship. Now he's his, his executive producer and JJ Abrams is directing and JJ Abrams even had to like postpone Star Trek just for this film. It took what, two to four years to make. Yeah. It took a long time to make this film. Um, but I, I, I can't say too much about it. Because if you haven't seen it, I don't want to give anything away, and I, I respect that. Like it's like watching Lost, or it's like watching um, uh, what's the other movie uh, he produced? Uh, the, Cloverfield. The one, Cloverfield. Uh, so I don't want to give give anything away, but like CG wise, damn, like good, great effects in the movie. But uh, it's really all about the 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 relationship between the kids and the parents yeah. that. It really sold me on. Uh, it just made me feel nostalgic or something. I don't know. Right. Yeah, that, uh, I had that Goonies feel, so I couldn't. Yeah, I Goonies feel. Moving on to uh, Rango at number six, because who? What? What better person could play a little tiny, uh, little tiny, uh, what gecko or lizard than Johnny Depp? I mean, for me, I think it was most impressive visually, and the fact that. It's it's been done before and stuff like Polar Express, but they're really acting out every single thing that you see in that movie. And they're basing every animation on mm-hmm. the actors' performances, and all of their voice acting came from the live performances. So that's just a really revolutionary way to, um, uh, I guess if you call it filming a CG movie, um, or capturing the audio, capturing a yeah. performance, um. Number five, Take Shelter. Again, can't talk too much about this one uh, to the as far as I would like to, but 
as far as character development goes for um what's his name uh, oh, michael michael shannon, uh, michael shannon um, he did a really good job with this this character and michael shannon uh first impressed me in um road what the hell is the movie called road uh revolutionary road revolutionary road yeah um ah, he man. plays he, um mentally unstable characters he, he, extremely well yes he does yes he does but uh take shelter it was so simple yet it's it was so powerful at the same time just because of what the events and the in and the changes he was going through um again it's another one of those movies that you probably didn't see it if you weren't in a major metropolitan area or mm-hmm. took and the that's time a shame to, too because it's, yeah. it's a fantastic movie right uh it, the visuals were simple i mean it didn't really require much it was it looked like it was a very nice homely set uh to to work on not much you know action but uh it it looked like the acting um it, it, the, the acting just blew me away in that movie and then what's her name yeah. The right hat. Jessica, 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 yeah, she did. She's having a heck of a year too. I might job. say she yes, was in she Take is. Shelter, The Help, which I mean I'm not a girl, but I heard that was very good, and um, Tree of Life. So Tree of she's life. having a great year. Never even heard of her too before this year too. I know. It's good transition here. Speaking of the Tree of Life, Tree of Life is my number four. Um, again, what's her name has just did a phenomenal job and with uh, mothering those children. Yeah. Um, and Tree of Life is is a. It's, it's so it's hard the, it's, to, to describe that movie. Yeah. It's so hard. It's on the experimental side, but it's also coming from a director who is just as, I guess you would say, uh, eccentric in his ways, or just as experimental in life. Because the way, if you watch the extras on the Blu-ray, you'll you'll understand that. Anything went on this. Anything goes. That's that was the key right there. The mm-hmm. actors, the extras, it basically rented out an entire neighborhood. The extras would just play jump rope all day if they needed them to jump rope. They would just just continue living life as though um, they were not on a movie set. They were paid to play. Kids were paid to play on the set. That's pretty sweet. all day long. Um, just his, I think his approach to making the film impressed me the most. Just as as a filmmaker, so um, I, I guess you could tell what I'm really looking at judging a top ten list here is just what went into making these films and you know the result. If you're not really into if, sitting through a movie that's about two hours long and paying attention uh, to no di- little to no dialogue, you're not gonna. I don't think you're gonna like the film. You really. This have is to a be very something. hit or miss movie with audiences. Yeah. Um, yep. And even like not even from reading. I mean, just me from personal experience, like. If you aren't completely awake, like, this is not a movie you can watch at, like, one in the morning before you go to sleep. It's not something like that. You need to be 100% attentive to actually fully kind of enjoy or appreciate the movie. Well, I'm going to go on a limb here and say that I don't think a lot of people would love to be 100% attentive while watching this movie. It's probably going to turn into some sort of, like... uh, uh, plant blue planet or planet earth or whatever yeah for it's, a lot of kids it's going to be one of those movies like oh yeah that that movie has a lot of colors and a lot of crazy cool shots uh just one more thing about uh the visuals in that movie they they created a lot of those uh space visuals for those yeah. have seen who have seen the movie a lot of that was done in camera and then just blended in cg so that was that was most impressive like a lot of the planets getting overtaken by the sun yeah, it's the tree of life. I'm talking about the creation of the universe. I mean, yeah. it, it explores everything. Uh, moving on to the top three here. Uh, I couldn't really pick an order, um, but number three turned out to be Drive because it was badass. <laughs> and as soon as it hits Blu-ray, I'm probably going to just go out and buy 24th. it. 24th. 24th? Okay. That'll happen. Uh, again, yeah, Ryan Gosling. I just watched, uh, 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 what that Lars and the real girl today. A little bit. <laughs> you finally and, saw it. No, no I, I saw it. I saw, I had, I had seen the movie prior oh. to watching it today, but he just, just watching his career. Um, I heard, I've heard the comment, like he's, he is the Brad, the up and coming Brad Pitt in what he does. He's, 
He's got the looks. He's got the acting skills. Um, he has the diversity in his roles, which is really rare. I mean, Brad Pitt, the way Brad Pitt works is he, co- he goes project by project. He's not tied mm-hmm. on to anything in the future, no contracts. And I think that Gosling is starting to do that more so. He has a very good, diverse library. He's having a great year, too. I mean, he was in yeah. Drive. He was crazy, in Ides of March. And crazy, he was in crazy um, stupid Love. Love. Something about Love. Something crazy love, Stupid love. love. Yes, that movie. Yeah, and I saw, I saw both. Crazy Stupid Love, Drive. Well, those are the only two I saw. I didn't see all of them, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, blending, blending the eighties with a contemporary setting was really genius, I thought. And, uh, the way it was paced out is another thing that's really notable about this. I mean, the pacing of the movie, that's the, every, every step of the way, every, every corner they take, they turn, it, it's, it's all taken in good time. Everything is, nothing is rushed in the movie. And the one you need to, yes, I hope there is an Oscar nomination category, like a, there's a category for best use of shotgun because, um, <laughs> I, uh, I would totally vote, um, for this movie for that. Yeah. Yeah. Just to say one more thing about the shotgun. Um, yeah. I, I clearly will never, that was the only time I've ever spat out something at a movie theater. <laughs> Cause, uh, it was obviously, like you said, the slow pacedness. You weren't expecting that. And yeah, right. My mouth was open so for a good 20 minutes after that happened. Yeah. Yep. Number two, Hugo. Um, best use of 3D all year long. And in, in, uh, in relation to what you said about Tintin, Sean, I, I thought that the, the 3D is not worth seeing in Tintin. It was subpar. I mean, I don't know if it was our theater or not, but like parts of the screen were blurry. Okay. I don't know who to blame for that, but, um, uh, I just I didn't yeah think but, uh, I, I, I did see what Alex in 3D and um, even the parts that were in 3D for Tintin I wasn't too enthralled with anyway. Well, the di- big difference between the two well, Hugo actually used the um, the actual um, 3D um, camera, didn't they? Wasn't the big difference between the two? I believe, or did they both well, use? Hugo was definitely shot in 3D. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about Tintin. It's digital, so I mean, I, I don't know how as far as that goes. I'm not sure how that works. And I don't think you know. Uh, I don't think it makes a difference whether or not a movie is shot in 3D or not. I mean, oh, even if does. even Harry. Well, well, I, we'll get, I'll get to that in a second. Harry Potter was not shot in 3D. It was upconverted to 3D, and there were some uses of 3D that actually did work very well. But there are movies that are shot in 3D that just do not make use of the 3D. Okay. Um, the, for example, um, Lord of the Rings is being completely shot on two, on parallel red, the camera, RED, Scarlets. So they're both parallel in 48 frames per second. That's going to great, give an excellent, that's the proper way to shoot 3D right there. But when, when it doesn't pop out at you or when it doesn't really, uh, tickle your fancy, whatever you wanted to do to make it really. I thought, you know what? I thought Jackass 3D was a very great <laughs> use of 3D for the for the stuff that they showed. It worked. Um, Underworld 3D. I'm guessing a lot of it is going to be gimmicky, but I'm going to say right now, Hugo. It, it's you know Martin Scorsese here at work. I think that they they were making a uh, use of the environment, and that's the key: is to make use of your environment. And use 3D in a way that's going to make you feel like you're actually, you know, following this little boy around in these steamy, crazy, uh, uh, environments. And, um, I think that just everything about the 3D in that movie was more effective than if you're throwing a, a, a giant, uh, paintball at my face. Yeah. Um, and, and it wasn't a paintball that they threw in somebody's face and Jackass 3D. So. Uh, on to number one, uh, Midnight in Paris. And again, one, two, and three are very hard for me to place, but Midnight in Paris is definitely the, um, the movie I had to go with because it was just such a rich movie. The writing was super strong. The visual, visually, it was very strong. And where it took you was it took you on an adventure like where movies should take you. And, um, Woody Allen did an excellent job at just playing with, fantasy and reality and blending them into one and just 
he he did what he does best. I mean, there it's almost this is his reality. It's like it's almost I'll compare it to Larry David's reality. Larry David thinks the world is out to get him. Well, that's not that's not the same for Woody Allen, but Woody Allen has this just absolutely amazing way of blending the real the real with the fantastical. And that's I think you know, I don't, again, I don't want to talk about it because if you are interested in seeing the movie, you should go and see it. Yeah. Um, I knew as little as possible when I went into this movie and I'm very glad I did. This guy who looked like Frazier recommended it to my parents. Yeah. He looked like Frazier. He recommended it to my parents and, uh, um, I should say Kelsey Grammer. He, and that's the only reason I went to see it. I said, I'm going to go, going to go see it. Then I invited you guys and I'm like, that was the best decision I made all year. Like that was so well worth it. It yeah. even became a Christmas present for a family member. So nice. Yeah. Um, that is my top 20. <laughs> I swear. I mentioned more movies than I could possibly yeah. have in 10, well, uh, leaving that, out that's four the problem. And, I four had this year too. And hangover um, two and scream four and pirates and yeah. transformers. I mean, like they were all excellent, but they did not make the top 10. Yeah, like I'll, I'll just start by saying, like Sean, I think five of the movies that you mentioned in your top ten all didn't like were just short of like making my top ten. Like they're definitely honorable mentions. Like you said, uh, Sucker Punch definitely, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, X Men First Class, The Muppets. None of them made it, but they were very like they would have made it if I had like had a top twenty, obviously. Um, and a couple other mentions, just really quick, before I get my top ten. Um, a, movie, a little movie called Super, um, which I don't even know if it was in theaters. I think it went straight to DVD. But it's a movie with Rain Wilson and Ellen Page. And he becomes like a super... And Liv Tyler's in it, and Kevin Bacon's in it. Yes. And Rain Wilson becomes like a superhero, because right. he's trying to get his wife back from Kevin Bacon. And it's <laughs> it's a really interesting movie. If you have a chance to see it, definitely watch it. It's not groundbreaking by any means, but it's definitely enjoyable on a, it's really different. Like it's really violent, actually like really violent, like sort of like drive, like where it's kind of cool. And then right. all of a sudden just this violence hits you out of nowhere. Okay. Um, but if you have a chance to watch it, I don't think it's on Netflix instant watch. Um, I did rent it from Netflix earlier in the year, but it was good. Also, uh, like you said, scream four is an honorable mention. That was great. And source code, which I actually really enjoyed. Um, didn't make that a top ten, but it was it was actually a pretty cool movie. I actually wanted um, to also, hop in before you get you have a lot of momentum. I just wanted to hop in really quickly by saying yeah. I completely left out Captain Captain America uh, and uh, meant to talk about it, but I just want to say that that was also one of those movies that I don't know if you're going to mention it right now, but I'm kind of feeling you might. Um, it well, should have been on my to, top. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. It was on my top 10. Completely skipped it over because I made so many changes to this damn thing that I yeah. even misnumbered my top 10. Um, I, I'll uh, I'll just go by saying that it was it really hit the the mark in terms of a a, a fresh bringing a fresh uh, franchise or character yeah. uh, to the Marvel universe. I agree. And, I think uh, Captain America was either that that and Rise of Planet of the Apes were two of the biggest surprises of the summer for me. Yes, I wasn't really expecting to like either of them, especially Captain America. I went into that movie thinking I was going to be me like, too wanting to walk out of the theater. It was my um, favorite and I actually Marvel really movie. Enjoyed it. Favorite. I know you like X Men. Yeah, and oh, X Men First Class is great. I I bought that Blu-ray. I bought the crap out of that Blu-ray when it came out. Um, All right. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So the the movies that were tight fighting for my top spot, like Young Adult, just missed out on that. That's like number eleven. It just missed out. Um, Like I really enjoyed Young Adult, and Patton Oswalt gives a performance to talk about. As far as I'm concerned, he's absolutely amazing. As 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 well as Charlize Theron. Yes. Um, and the Muppets was very close to making my top ten. Couldn't fit it in. Um, so anyway, we talked about those. My number ten, the the Descendants. Um, ah. This movie was was great, and I was struggling with whether to put this in the top ten or not. And when comparing it to Young Adult and the Muppets, I I think I enjoyed. The, I laughed at this movie more than I laughed at Young Adult and Muppets. I think combined. Um, wow. it's, there's a lot of really funny scenes in Descendants and um, it's, like dark humor it's just what's that? It's more of a dark humor though isn't it? Like, it, I, it, I yeah it is kind of a dark humor but like it's it's a lot of it's just the, the human interaction kind of like um, it's not like there's jokes like jokes are being made it's just 
the way that these characters are acting, and it's it, it gives a portrayal of Hawaii, which is great, and it's some of the best writing um, I've ever seen in a movie. Like just um, the narrative of the main, of George Clooney is fantastic, and this comes from um, oh wow, I'm brain farting here. The director's name. I can't. Anyway, I he can't. did Sideways, um, and I really yeah. enjoyed Sideways as well. Um, but anyway, yeah. So Descendants made my top ten. It's a really great movie. If you have a chance to see it, I definitely recommend it. It's going to be on the Oscars this year. It's going to be a major contender. I can guarantee that. Um, number nine, Tintin. I mirror everything you guys said about Tintin with the addition that the camera work is where this movie shines. I think it. Steven Spielberg does with the, does the does with this movie with his camera what he could not do in any of his live action movies, and it's these long takes, especially that third act action scene, was mind blowing. Yes. The way the camera moves weaves in and out of the scene, it's fantastic, yes. and I, I had a smile on my face throughout the entire thing. Um, I couldn't so yeah, agree tin, more. Tin. What's that? I- I couldn't agree more, man. Yeah. I, uh, if, I, if I had more time to talk about it, I think I would talk about Spielberg and his use of everything he does as yeah. the Spielberg. And I feel like he had, I, w- I really hope he does more, um, more of these movies, like these CG movies where he can have this virtual camera and cause he does wonders with it. It was absolutely great what he does with this. Um, okay. So my number eight, take shelter. Um, Michael Shannon gives, as far as I'm concerned, the best, male performance of the year. Um, he's, he's fantastic. And it's not even that it's, I mean, obviously you can say that some people overact and some people, but he doesn't even like, he doesn't underact, but like his character is just, he's a very calm character. And I don't want to give too much away, but like there's parts of which he's not calm, but like, that's what makes it so powerful. Exactly. It affects you so much more because you, you see this character, going through this transformation like right before your eyes and it's 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 incredible. See it's hard to talk um, about, isn't it? Yeah, it it's really hard. is. Yeah. Yeah. Um Take Shelter is a fantastic movie. Um when that comes out on Blu-ray, that I'm definitely going to get that movie. Um my number was this one went 7 7 50/50. Did you guys get a chance to see 50/50 this year? No. No, I have not. Okay, 50/50. It, when it came out, I was I I wanted to see it and then I just kind of passed over it when it was in theaters, and I was like, well, maybe I'll watch it eventually. And I just watched it not too long ago, and I couldn't believe how great this movie was. It's a take on, like, a kind of a comedy modern take on, like, cancer from, like, a, a youth's perspective. Like, he's a Joseph Gordon-Levitt's on it, like, 27. And Seth Rogen is um, is really great, too, as, like, a, the comic relief in the movie. And I was laughing, like, out loud, like, really loud at this movie, because there's a lot of really funny parts, but, at, it, like, this movie kind of, like, it comes out of nowhere, the emotion from it, like, at the end of the movie, you're you're not really, you know, too impacted in the beginning, like, when you hear about it, and you go through stuff, and by the end of the movie, I was, like, almost in tears, because it just, it kind of snuck up on you, and it was, like, out of, out of nowhere, where you're like, wow, this is, the emotional catharsis I felt of the end of this movie was, was fantastic. Um, I, think, I would definitely recommend it. I think that's a movie that got sh- overshadowed just by the yeah. abundance of Friday releases during the yeah, summer. Yeah, it definitely right? got overshadowed. Yeah. It came I out heard like a lot September, of, I think. Okay. Yeah, I, so. I heard a lot of great things about it. Yeah. And um, based on your you know impressions of it, I, I would really like to now see it. <laughs> yeah, it's. I did not expect to kind of like it, and I was like, well, I kind of want to watch it before I put my top ten together. And I'm really glad it did, because it, it fit. Um, my number six was Melancholia, Lars von Trier, Lars von Trier's new, um, direct, new movie. <laughs> he, I'm not, I haven't seen many of his earlier films, but um, just speaking off of at least at least last year's Antichrist, um, <laughs> wasn't too crazy about Antichrist, but I did give it like an honorable mention last year just because of its sheer. Um, balls. I guess there's really no other way to put that movie. Um, but Melancholia, Kirsten Dunst gives a an award winning, an award worthy performance. Um, in this movie, it, it's a movie basically about this, about depression. Um, and about the end of the world. 
and it's got some of the best visuals um, I've ever seen. I can watch Lars von Trier do slow motion scenes with classical music over it for like hours. It's just, it's amazing. Um, and it's a long movie too. It's, it's, it's close to three hours, but it's worth all of it. And, and some people think that some of it, it's in like two parts, two sections of the movie. And some people say the first part kind of drags, but I disagree. Um, it's all about like the study of her depression and stuff and having a minor in psych, at least. Um, it, it's really interesting to see how close, like how appropriate and how real her performance is. It's kind of crazy, actually. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's an interesting movie. I know a lot of people, it's kind of going to be hit or miss a lot of people, but, um, I really enjoyed it. My number five is Super 8. And I pretty much just mirror everything Alex said about Super 8 and, um, and J.J. Abrams is having his, every, every movie he does is better than the last. And He's having the time of his life. He really is. And Super 8 is, is a fantastic movie. It's got such heart to it. And like this, whenever I remember like through it, it's not even like a monster movie when I think about it. it I mean, it's a monster movie, but it's, there's so much more to it than just like the monster aspect of the movie. And, um, like you said, the kids' performances, um, the way they interact with each other is, it, it rivals the Goonies. Um, I guess that's all I'm going to say about that. All right. Number number four, Tree of Life, Woo. which I just recently saw, well, I bought it for Christmas and I hadn't been able to watch it till about last week. And, I, uh, it's something to watch. Obviously, it's gonna it's good since it's in my top four, but it, there's so many levels to this movie, and it's a simple movie, but there's so much to take out of it, and there's so many layers to it. I feel um, it's a transcending experience to watch this movie, to say the least. It it's on a whole other level as far as um, not even emotion, but like well, visual is is one thing about this movie that that whole thirty minute second act is just <laughs> it's some of the coolest stuff I've ever seen um, I, I mean there's really not too much to give away on this but like um, you know like I said it's a 30 minute about the kind of the creation of the world and it's it's done really well and this is a movie that I can see um, being talked about for years and compared to uh, like to other movies years from now because um, there's just there's a lot to talk about and it's a really um interesting movie to talk about because there's so many different ways to look at it. Um, but it's kind of more of a, it's not as ambiguous. It's just about kind of how you perceive the whole thing as I guess. So my number three is Hugo. You're going to hear a lot of the same movies not coming up here. Hugo <laughs> is my number three. Um, Hugo is, has re, defined the way I look at 3D films. I no longer think that they are just a gimmick or a moneymaker. Um, Hugo makes me feel that there is absolutely a promising future for the use of 3D in films if used correctly, like in this film. I used to think Avatar was the best use of 3D film. Hugo is now the best, as far as I'm concerned. And Ooh. just I the way that Hugo... Um, how it's like a just a celebration of film. That's kind of the best way to describe this movie. If you love film, you will love Hugo. And yes, couldn't agree more. That's the best way to talk about it. Yeah, I don't know how to talk talk about most of these films without giving away the best parts of these films. You know, I don't know what to leave in or out, but that is definitely like one of those appreciation. Uh, yeah, films. it's. A it's an awesome, I just, I love the statement that Hugo makes. It's that, you know, it's got, it's, it's Martin Scorsese kind of praising the history of film and how it's, you know, you have to preserve it and you have to appreciate it like the original and where it comes from. But yet he does it in a way that's stepping forward and it's, it's making a mark on the future with 3D. It's such an interesting statement that, you know, he's telling you, you know, you have to respect where film has come from and its history, but, you got to look towards the future too. And I think that's such an awesome statement about film. Yeah. 
I didn't really look at it that way. That's a really interesting way of, yeah. of putting it. My number two is Rango. Now, I struggled my number one and my number two um, all year, ever since I saw both the films. And Rango is was my favorite movie of the year until I saw my number one, which I'll get to. Um, but Rango is... Since I bought the Blu-ray, I probably watched it about five or six times, and it never gets old. <laughs> it's such a good movie. Like, there's... I don't know how to... It's got so many awesome, like, movie references, and it's hilarious, and it... It's got some of the best, like you said, animation I've ever seen in a film. Yeah. And the character design, it's like, in other movies, you're always, you never, this is the first movie I think I've seen that's animated that has made me look more at the minor and background characters than the actual thing you're supposed to be looking at. Very true. The character designs on the, especially like in the scenes at the the bar, are ridiculous. The character designs are fantastic of the townspeople. Um, and it's got really cool, like even action segments, um, that, that, that do, I mean, they don't, they didn't rival Tintin until I saw Tintin, but, um, right. They, they were, they were pretty good. It's like watching, it's really like, it's like an epic Western. Yeah, it is. So my number one, like Sean is drive. It's the coolest movie of the year by far. And it's got the best soundtrack of the movie of any movie this year by far and it's got such um emotion to it and style and i think that's what i really appreciate about this movie is its style and its um kind of just like it doesn't care that it's not going to be a huge i mean it actually did way better than i think most people thought it was going to do but I, I love that the director just kind of went Nicholas Winding Refn, just kind of made it like, oh, I'm going to make this movie in this style. I don't care. I'm not trying to appease anyone. And I'm so glad he did because it's such a cool movie. And I can't wait to buy it. I can't wait to watch it again. I've been dying to watch it again since needless I saw it. To say, needless to say, I listen to Kavinsky's Night Call all the time when I'm driving. So, <laughs> yeah. But, um, so yeah, um, so that's my my top ten. I uh, all right. I just wanted to mention real quick, um, just a, a few of my disappointments of the year: um, Thor, Green Lantern, and Hobo with a Shotgun are probably my most disappointing movies of the year that I've seen. Just to point them out. Can you explain why Hobo with a Shotgun was disappointing? I mean, I, I mean. was expecting more of a. I, I I enjoyed Grindhouse so much so more so much that when I saw this movie it was when I saw Hobo with Shotgun I was expecting more of a Grindhouse experience I wasn't expecting so much of a over the I mean I know the Grindhouse movies are very over the top but this was like over the over maximum of the top kind of like it was just it was so ridiculous like there's a point there's a threshold of ridiculousness that I can take and this shot over it by about twenty yards. It, yeah, it went, it went to the route of like trauma entertainment. I'm like, yeah, I'm, and so. oh wow, it, it just didn't do it for me. Um, if it had been more like the trailer, I think I would have enjoyed it more. But it just got so I don't know. It got silly even at some points. It was yeah. so out there. I don't know. I actually, I actually had to check to see if it was produced by trauma because I just assumed it was at a certain point. But I mean, it, nothing will beat Machete out of the whole yeah. list. But that's a whole just different. I story. Agree. Oh, the machete! No, machete came out last year. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember when that came out. That came out last year, and um, but yeah, like I said, like the Green Lantern was kind of meh, and Thor it was a disappointment to me too. I know people, a lot of people love that, but it was good. I mean, the 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 comic relief was excellent, um, and <clears throat> the visuals were were great. Like they're in by the where they lived, uh, Thor and his his minions. But other than that, yeah, I see what you mean. It's, it's okay. Yeah. All right. So, guys, thank you um, very much. I think yeah, we no can problem. all agree that, I mean, a lot of our lists were actually very similar. I think we all had Drive, Rango, and Tintin on our lists. Yeah. Right. Yep. So that yep. seemed to be the, the consensus of our movies anyway. Um, so, yeah, thank you. We'll, this will probably be an annual thing, so we'll have you guys back next year. So make sure you watch as many movies as humanly possible before the end of the year. 
Oh yeah. Well, not only that, but this year, next, this coming year will probably be, in my opinion, the greatest summer by far. But I'm very interested to see the independent pictures this year. So yeah. I will make sure to write down every single movie in a list. Yeah, so you don't forget. Exactly. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Cinema Clash. Please visit cinemaclash.blogspot.com for past episodes and ajsnetworks.weebly.com for our other great podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or even a suggestion for a battle, email us at cinemaclash at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 623-AJAZZ64. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook for the latest updates. Find this show and more at AJAZ Networks. Originally different media for your personal taste.